Well then, uh, in place of our international news, we've got this special extended interview. Let me give you a brief introduction. Since 2001, Soul City's been bringing together top business leaders and experts from various fields every year to discuss ways in which the city can further develop economically, socially, culturally, you name it. Well, this year's meeting of the Seoul International Business Advisory Council being held from tomorrow to Friday under the theme Stimulating Growth Through Innovation will incorporate our next two guests, Mr. Richard Smith, president of the Pinkerton Foundation and former CEO of Newsweek magazine. Good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. And Mr. Jeffrey Jones, international lawyer and chairman of Partners for the Future Foundation, as well as a sole honorary citizen. And so it's an honor to welcome you as well. Thank you, Alex. Great to be here. And uh, I mean, let me just start with you, um, Mr. Jones, because you are an honorary citizen and resident of this country. You've seen this develop over time. Um, tell us a bit more about this uh, this council and, and how promising it is in assisting Seoul City. The council has uh, been in existence now for uh, 14, 15 years, and it brings together business leaders from around the globe. Uh, they come to Seoul once a year, uh, and this group is primarily here to advise the mayor on various policies and programs, uh, bringing together the experience of uh, those in various cities across the globe on the types of things that can help the economy, make it a more viable and vibrant city. And uh, I think it's been a great help to the mayors uh, over the years. Uh, certainly, this mayor is one of the most active and, yes. um, uh, I think, interested in what uh, our global business leaders have to say. So it's been a wonderful experience for me personally, but I think it's been a great benefit for Seoul as a city. Yeah, I can say Mayor Park Won-soon does seem very approachable. Uh, he, he's got that great image anyway, but you guys are there on the front lines of this. Mr. Smith, uh, you come to Korea. You've been here before. Uh, Started coming here 40 years ago when yeah. I was a child, almost. <laughs> so you've seen things develop over time as well. Can, can you give us a sense of, of how you think this council benefits Seoul, though? Well, I think it's, it's a unique organization in a couple of ways. Uh, in, it's a two-way communications platform in the sense that we gather once a year, and as part of the deliberations, we learn about what's going on in Seoul. At the same time, we can make a contribution to what's going on in terms of ideas and, and as Jeffrey mentioned, the kind of international perspective on some issues. It's also unique uh, among advisory councils in the sense that they actually make the members work. Uh, we each prepare a presentation mm on the theme uh, of the meeting. The mayor and the leadership of the council gets together after each session, and we come up with a theme for the following year. And then each member of the council will do, uh, will do a presentation that sparks communication and conversation. And I think that from the perspective of the Seoul government, it's useful in communicating an outside perspective, not just to the mayor, but throughout the bureaucracy, because uh, the, the meetings are well attended by other members of the Seoul Metropolitan Government. And so uh, it's a way to prompt discussions 
sometimes controversial discussions yes. uh, without it being a kind of internal battle, that the uh, ideas are coming in from the outside and they have to be addressed and discussed. Uh, sometimes, Mr. Smith, and you know, through your experience of the media, you will have experienced this, we can all get a little bit lost in theory and a little too divorced from reality when we talk about things like the creative economy, innovation, and things sound very nice, but, you know, you think, how are we going to implement that? Maybe you can tell us about what you're planning on sharing this week and how you think that's going to really help. Well, death by buzzwords is, I think, what you're, uh, what you're describing. Yes. And uh, one of the great things about the council is that each session starts with a review of what specifically has happened as a result of the previous year's meetings. And uh, I think that's a useful process, whether you're talking about business or media, but to kind of go back and look at where you, where you were last year, what you discussed, what were the action steps that came out of it, and uh, what, what has happened. And so it's a, it is a useful and fairly concrete dialogue. Now, you asked what I was going to talk about this year in terms of jobs and innovation. Uh, I am very much interested in the changing world of work mm. in the sense that uh, thanks to global and massive technology platforms, it is far easier for a lot of companies to kind of put together um, on-demand workforces. The result of that is less and less in the way of long-term employment with one employer yes. and all the benefits that go with that, not only traditional uh, kind of personnel benefits, insurance, pensions, plans, et cetera, et cetera, but also uh, paths for career advancement yes. in, in a gig economy, an on-demand economy. Uh, the balance of power has shifted in a great sense towards employers and intermediaries who can aggregate on-demand employees. So what I want to talk about is uh, what the sole metropolitan government can do, what a society can do to respond to this kind of changing nature of the workforce. Yeah, I mean, th this gig economy idea is, is interesting. It works in a lot of areas. In the media, people like myself would be very familiar with it, but we also use the word non-regular worker, mm -hmm. and it's been a big problem for mm -hmm. people in feeling secure in their jobs here in Korea and around the world indeed. Mr. Jones, th this um, topic, creating a testbed for innovation, again, we're in danger of becoming divorced from reality, but c c can you lay that out in practical terminology for us uh, and, uh, and how that will relate to the city of Seoul? Korea has already become a testbed of innovation, and particularly Seoul. The Korean consumer is one of the best in the world in terms of uh, desire for good products, desire for quick ideas, new innovation. Uh, the Koreans have a tremendous ability to accept change, to embrace change, uh, to... Uh, make changes in their life and, and life patterns. So for companies who are looking for new products, new ideas, this is a great place to test new products, new innovation, new services. And the Koreans uh, typically embrace those changes, use them, 
And if they're good, they embrace. If they don't like it, they throw it away very quickly. <laughs> it can be a fast-burning <clears throat> flame, though, can't it? it we see shop fronts do very well for a summer. They don't work in the winter, yeah. and they've gone. Yeah. Is that a problem as well? Well, it's, um, it's a challenge. And it's a challenge for uh, retailers, for wholesalers. Uh, it's a challenge for product design, for manufacturers. And that's why this is such an interesting market, because if you get a hit in uh, Seoul with consumers, you can probably get a hit around the globe. And, and Mr. Jones, the gentleman alongside you just talked about the nature of the job market and how that's shifting. And you've been aware as well of this debate about non-regular workers here. How can uh, you know, innovation really solve that problem? Well, one of the problems we have in Korea and Seoul is the flexible workforce. And flexibility in the workforce has a lot of meaning. Uh, most often it's associated with the ability to terminate when you have ups and downs in, in your economic cycle. But it also means greater opportunity for individuals to find different work, new work, and new opportunities. And one of the things that... Um, is a positive from this gig economy is it provides more opportunity for people to find new things and different things to do which can be very satisfying it provides a lot of independence uh, to individuals uh, who wish to have that kind of independence mm. and freedom uh, so there are good and bad sides to the non-regular uh, worker uh, story but one of the things that we need to keep an economy vibrant is greater flexibility in yes. the workforce. So you can respond to not only economic conditions, but you can respond to consumer trends. Mr. Smith, a vibrant working force surely incorporates young people as well. And that's mm -hmm. something that the developed world is failing to, to achieve. Uh, it's certainly not unique to Korea, this problem of over-educated young people all wanting top jobs, and ending up not working at all or ending up, you know, making cappuccinos while they think about it. I mean, I did that myself going back more than a decade. Um, Alex, you're, you're speaking to a former taxi driver, so I understand the process. Well, you've had a lot of hats, haven't you, throughout your career. So, so tell us your take on that then. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that it's important to focus on innovation. And, and if I can make it specific to the Korean context in, in this sense, that uh, Korea has done extraordinarily well economically uh, by being what in economic terms would be called a fast follower. That is, taking industries that have begun to get off the ground and really refining uh, methods in those industries and then taking a leadership position. In the future, I think Korea needs to be part of the innovation side of the uh, process, less a fast follower and more of an innovator, precisely because uh, if this highly educated workforce is going to be absorbed into the economy and have rich, full, satisfying lives and jobs, uh, that innovation 
piece is is a, is a critical element in that in that process. There are, after all, many many other countries who are moving along the path to to rapid development, who can do in some respects what Korea did 10, 20, mm. 30 years ago. So, in order to continue to stake out a leadership position. Innovation is is critically important because innovation creates jobs, and uh, I think one of the areas that that's important to look at is uh, public-private partnerships, partnerships between universities, private business, and government to create new centers for innovation yes. that will lead to uh, expanded job opportunities. But Mr. Smith, one of the old-fashioned solutions to this would be throwing more money at the uh, the issue. Can we can we escape that, that the need for uh, government spending? For example, uh, in the area of supporting smaller businesses to, to bring in young people mm -hmm. to help innovate um, and also supporting budding entrepreneurs. They, you know, they, they all need some funding to, to get these ideas off the ground. I think, it, I think the record suggests that governments are not terribly good at picking companies uh, to be winners and, and losers. I think the role of government can be to focus on certain industries and say, these are some things that could help a creative environment so that individual entrepreneurs and small startup companies can then drive the growth. Mm -hmm. uh, I come from New York, and one of the most interesting things going on in New York right now is a, is a project called Silicon Island, which is part of an island uh, in the East River, which was a former large state hospital. Two universities um, were bidders on setting up new research institutions to work with the city of New York, and also some private businesses to kind of create an incubator project. There, there's an educational piece, there's an entrepreneurial piece, and there's a job creation mm. piece. But So it's not a matter of picking uh, a winning company, but it's in saying that New York needed to expand its potential in the, in the world of high-tech business to, to absorb the... the employment needs of New Yorkers. Another key area of security in life, uh, in addition to your working life, is where you're living, Mr. Jones. And uh, again, you've been a resident of Seoul. You know how potentially tough that can be. And, and we're kind of locked between the past and the future, but a little bit too much of the past is uh, hanging around. This Jonse system, for example, uh, the need to have a huge deposit just to get on the mortgage ladder. Uh, and then being locked in this cycle of monthly rentals, the Walser system. What's your take on, on how we can use, uh, again, innovation, that word again, to, to help solve this housing problem? Well, we do have um, an interesting housing issue um, there, and it's a very complicated and difficult problem. It's not only related to the supply uh, but it's also related to the demand. Mm. And unfortunately, one of the interesting issues facing Korea's future is this shrinking population. But we have 
a city of Seoul, which is really the center of Korea. Uh, there have been attempts to move things out of Seoul and away from Seoul, uh, establish Sejong City, establish Taejeon as the source of uh, innovation and yes. research. Um, some of those efforts have been successful, but still we have a population uh, in Korea that is centered in Seoul. Yes. And Seoul is the magnet for education, for lifestyle choices, and it's very difficult for companies to attract people to go to other cities in, in Korea because all mothers want their children to be educated in Seoul. Uh, so it's a, it's a problem of concentration of population in this very little uh, area that pushes housing prices up. But housing prices in other cities uh, are actually much more reasonable and, and affordable options. But the population choose not to want to be in those locations. Mr. Smith, you've just leaned in. Yes. I, I, one of the reasons I was very enthusiastic about coming to the SIBAC meeting uh, this year is that I knew that there would be four or five individual pr uh, presentations from council members about the issue of affordable housing and how other cities around the world are tackling this problem. Seoul is by no means unique in this, uh, in this area. Uh, throughout the United States, the cities that are growing and where the housing situation is the most intense tend to be the most vibrant, forward-looking, innovative uh, cities. So it's, it's a terribly common problem around the world. And nobody has figured it out completely. But again, one of the reasons to uh, be uh, excited about the, the meeting this year is that it, the Seoul government will certainly have the benefit of case studies from, from other areas about how other cities are dealing with this challenge. Uh, gentlemen, it's almost time for us to wrap up. Is this council meeting also an opportunity for you to, to have the ear of those in power and kind of share any of your own thoughts on, on areas that can improve, even minute areas of life? Let's say you got a taxi on your way in and, and it wasn't the most friendly experience in the world. I personally have had a, a much better experience with taxis over the years that I've lived in Seoul, I've got to say. But, you know, if you'd asked me three or four years ago, that's probably, I wouldn't have been able to resist commenting to the mayor mm. on that. Do you have the chance to have that kind of input? I, I think that Jeffrey, who lives here all the time, has, uh, has many options to express his opinions. I, for one, uh, I'm a little suspicious of foreigners who drop in and uh, and then offer what sounds like solutions to every conceivable problem in uh, in one country or another. When I was a reporter, uh, I used to say that if I spent a couple of days or a week in a country, I was happy if I left learning what the important questions were, let alone what those answers Indeed. were. Having said that, I think it's fair to say that in quiet conversations over the course of the next couple of days... The issue of history textbooks, the issue of the Seoul government's new slogan may be the source of some quiet conversations. So you might not introduce I Seoul you into your personal vocabulary? Uh, Alex, uh, 
This has been a nice interview. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've uh, got to finish on that point of silence. Um, Richard Smith, president of the Pinkerton Foundation, pleasure to have you here. And Jeffrey Jones, chairman of Partners for the Future Foundation. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Good luck. Great fun. Well, good luck this week. We look forward to following the progress of that meeting and uh, we welcome further interaction from our listeners. Just email us, efmthismorning at gmail.com.